You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent, listener-supported radio. I'm back, back in the New York Brian. Scott. Brian, 34th Street is ablaze again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's on fire. People are, there's pandemonium outside the garden. People Not are a... lighting fat trash cans on fire and <laughs> flipping cars over. <laughs> Not only are there fans in Madison Square Garden, there is a professional basketball team in Madison Square Garden again. Did you see the like the, the reactions when they got to 500? Outside? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it truly was. It was the it was the beam of the Knicks banner of you know, but come to life. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was just so funny how it was like, um, <laughs> I don't know. Like it did look like a championship celebration and that it was like the first game that there were fans in there. And there's like only 2000 fans. Too. <laughs> yeah. like, it's, just, it's like a perfect thing of like, totally Nick's getting to 500 and 2000 fans <laughs> roaring stream, fans. stream out of the garden on fire, electric <laughs> right. with excitement after chanting MVP for virtually every player that right. shot a free throw that <laughs> night. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think like RJ got an MVP chant. Derek Rose definitely got one. Right. Uh, Randall got them all throughout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like arguably only Randall deserves it. Just at the end of COVID winter, the Knicks back on top. <laughs> right. Right. I think it took COVID for the Knicks to get to 500. Right. Like so, yeah, right. All um, just a mere five hundred thousand lives had to be lost, <laughs> <laughs> had to perish in order for the Knicks to be reborn. Right, as a reborn as a perfectly mediocre team. Right, but you know it's interesting because I feel like the fans reacted to the five hundred with celebra- celebrations and screaming and yelling and champagne and whatever else but once they got that one game over 500 america yes has woken up to the knicks like it was very funny the world didn't react to 500 the way knicks fans did or knicks twitter did but them getting one game above 500 this late seemingly has caused some kind of a like everybody woke up to the fact hey like everybody became those Japanese guys in major league of like, <laughs> maybe, maybe this team ain't so bad. You know? <laughs> They're still shitty. Um, but the whole world seemingly has woken up to the fact that the Knicks don't totally stink. Just a quick side note. I would love to watch a web series about how those two Japanese men came to Cleveland to work as groundskeepers <laughs> at Memorial Stadium in the, in the late 80s, early 90s. Right. You know, it's not, I guess, I don't know, maybe they had family that came to Detroit to work on, on cars, and then they... But Cle- Cleveland and Detroit, that's still quite a hike. That's like a six-hour drive. Right, right. <laughs> but, you know, I digress. Uh, I know... It was interesting, right? Like, why? What do you think set off? Was it just like a lull in national sports stories? Like, we're, you know, we're not quite in March Madness yet. And so 
the Knicks getting a game over 500 is what caused the national media to wake up. What, like, what, what is it about? Like, is that really such a mark of significance or what, what's going on there? I don't know. I think it's just because it had one, it had the, like the latest time they've done that in since, you know, the year they won 50 games, 50 plus games. Um, I mean, it does show you there's obviously a market for the Knicks, you know, so yeah. it gave them a reason to talk about the Knicks um and they took it um but yeah i mean it's just funny how 15 and 17 you know well didn't do it 16 and 17 no but it was like 18 and 17 and hey <laughs> it's just funny too like i feel like on wfan it was all knicks that day you know everybody was just gave everybody permission to talk about the knicks right and i don't know how i feel about it i don't know <laughs> i don't know either because I honestly, I, I'm i fine with the national media, but Nick's Twitter is making me nervous. They are, I feel like, biting off way more than anybody could true, chew. Because, like, we're just like a Julius Randle injury away from being nothing. Right. <laughs> and I get it. Like, I guess take the opportunity to run around and puff your chest out while you got it because we haven't had it for long and there's no telling how long we'll be able to sustain it but uh i don't know nick's twitter's reaction is is making me really nervous right now yeah you know i guess it's just that like it's definitely like they've got something going you know i mean it's more like they've got all the elements of a thing that's promising you know even when you think back to like when they did win 50 plus games and carmelo anthony was here and we had this bona fide superstar player you know the team around him was so old it was like jason kidd and rasheed wallace and uh kenyon martin was on that team and it was just not a sustainable situation tyson chandler was was getting old already like right it, it it wasn't what this is where you've got a 26 year old all-star who's not on a mega deal that's he's he's still in a manageable contract um you've got a second year player who's 20 years old who's making these great strides you've got no bad contracts like literally none the only bad contract right. this team had was Julius Randles and now it's that's <laughs> maybe the best contract in the league yeah um You've got a rookie who's really promising, you know, so like it feels like the start of something. You got a, you know, a, a coach who's one of the top, you know, respected coaches, has a track record. Um, there's just no like hole in their in their game. Um, so it's like, yeah, what's going on with the Knicks? <laughs> I know. And it is more to me. This had, this team is more exciting than that mellow team. Uh, for precisely that reason, like, I, you know, other than Mello, there really wasn't a guy on the team to be attached to. Yeah. You know, nobody. It was like that... Shumpert, I guess, but it was like. Right. You know. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Like, you definitely had to talk yourself into anyone other than that. Whereas with the, the current Knicks, it's like, it's a fun crop of guys. Yeah. I mean, that's, that'd be, when you think back to that team, the second best player was J.R. Smith. I know, right? Yeah. I, I, yeah. The biggest knucklehead in the sport. Right. Uh, who was great for them that year, but you were just like, how far are we going to, are we really, how long is this going <laughs> to? Well, right. And none of them were truly ours. Yeah. No, there was almost no, again, Schumpert was the only drafted player of any significance on that team. Whereas this team, you know, 
it's aside from Julius Randle. I mean, I, you know, still the most important player is not a drafted player, but many of the most significant pieces are drafted players. And no real significant part of Randall's career has taken place elsewhere. Right. Yeah. No, the Knicks, yeah. are, like his blossoming has occurred on our team right. for us. Yeah. Um, no other fan base is, you know, calls him, has any attachment to him. Right. I'm sure the Pelicans fans are like, oh, whatever. <laughs> um, you know, they've replaced him with Zion Williamson. I'm sure they're not like, I wish Julius Randall was still here. Um, right. <laughs> they're they're quite content now speaking of randall you admitted on or you pronounced on our group text that uh the indiana game was officially the moment you fell in love with julius randall are you still feeling that now does that <laughs> yeah no and, sustain? You know, maybe maybe some people would say that's was was late you know like if I was a contestant on The Bachelor and Julius Randall was The Bachelor, I would be having to explain myself at this point about why I haven't professed my love, you know, and and I haven't told him yet. And I, you know, I, the walls I have, my walls are up. Um, but like, for me, I've still just been like, yeah, it's kind of a fun story. He's been like, really good, better than you could ever expect. But like, he's now just like he's awesome you know and i just feel like that for some reason that indiana game just the way he he seemed to embrace that sabonis matchup of like that guy just made the all-star team too we play the same position they guarded each other the whole game and he just like wore him down and got the better of him on both ends of the court and you know it was just fun it felt like you're like god we're in a big game with the pacers i know guy i hate on the pacers you know who was just like He's not Rick Smith, but he's close enough, you know. Oh God, I know. I don't care what country his dad is from. That guy's a pacer. Just look at him. Right. Like, right. I mean, he, that guy's an uh, Indiana he's pacer. To be a hated pacer. Yeah. Um. So it was just fun that game, you know. And I was just like, yeah, man. He and he fully took on the challenge, and he's like broke you know, his jaw. It looked like it. Oh, that game. elbow yeah. right to the shops. Yeah. <laughs> And his only reaction was to argue the call. Like, yeah, it didn't see, it really shouldn't have been a foul. But like, right. He felt, he could tell he felt nothing about yeah. <laughs> elbowing him right in the chin. Um, and who so, trusts the Bastriller contestants that arrive in love? You can't right. trust crazy people like that. Right. I mean, let's face it. I feel like every season of The Bachelor, it dawns on me more, it feels more and more insane how fast it's all happening <laughs> you're like who is this and they're like i'm falling in love you know you're not right it takes time to fall in love it takes you know to get in your heart it takes this is you know just overnight like, like especially under the circumstances when there's 20 other people they're also in love instantly right. in love you know so it's taken me you know i wanted to make sure this is real that we're going to be keeping this guy that we're not, this isn't, he's not trade bait. Um, you know, he's so good though. Like, I just feel like the more he, he's just improving it, even as the season's gone on rather than regressing, he's actually getting even better. Like I do feel like on the defensive end, he's taken a step even beyond what he was, you know, can we, I totally agree with you. Can we set the number of Knicks fans who, could have possibly seen 
anything remotely close to a season like this for Julius Randall at zero. Yes. Yes. That is the thing. That is such an annoying tick of people to be like that. Anybody who who was thinking that maybe we should trade him at the beginning of this year, like totally defensible position. Like, what are you talking about? He was terrible last year. It's not like he was good and we all didn't see it. He was bad. Right. And I want, I want anyone who didn't think we should have traded him when the year started. I want to see that take in writing. Or right. on like evidence with a timestamp, because I'm again zero, zero Knicks fans would have cared anything if we had traded him away at the beginning of the year. Like not even people who always sort of like I I don't even want to hear like I knew he'd be this good like that's obviously crazy. But even people who are like I always liked him or I always bl-. nobody liked him. Nobody <laughs> cared. I'm sorry you right. did it. Everybody hated him. He was horrible last year. It was right. such a downer. He was infuriating. Like the worst consolation prize ever. It was just like finding a lump in your stocking. It was just like oh my this stinks. <laughs> and that's the problem for me. I just feel like. I've managed to survive the entire Trump era on Twitter. Like, even Donald Trump didn't make Twitter too toxic for me to check it on a daily basis. But I feel like Nick's Julius Randle Twitter is what's driving me off of Twitter. Like, I can't (laughs) handle opening it up and seeing all these people, all these Nick's fans. Nick's Twitter is just infuriating to me. Pretending that they were always, they always knew this was possible. (laughs) It's just such a combination. This is a toxic combination of, Pretending you always thought this was possible, uh, like all the excuse making, all the the victimhood about how we are talked about or treated prior to this year, like I can't handle any of it. It's just all such nonsense. It's infuriating. Right. I mean, it's equally like to like the no, you know, now that the Porzingis trade looks defensible. You know, like right. I knew oh. all along that that was like the right. It's like, come on. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. Well, first of all, it's still too early to really say for sure. And I think it's 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 long, it's now enough where I'm willing to say, like, I'm glad he's not on the team. Yeah. And it has been for the best. But, you know, I'm not really I'm still never going to, like, credit them. Never for doing it. You know, no. like uh, the look, even if everything works out for the best for us even if things hit best case scenario it the the trade as it was made in the moment is and always will be indefensible even if it works out they didn't know it was going to work out there's no way they predicted anything close to what's happening that was a salary dump to get two guys who never came right what their objective was failed hideously Right. I mean, it's like somebody driving drunk, safely getting to their destination. Yes. You're not then like, well, that was a great idea. Right. You know, it still right. was reckless and, <laughs> and you know, borderline criminal. Yeah. Or a and, criminal. <laughs> and by the way, last year happened. Like, last year was the immediate consequence right. of that trade. And we all had to live with it. Just because it's in the rearview mirror now doesn't mean right. we didn't have to suffer it at the expense right. of that. <laughs> Right, and it stunk. It, it was, was awful. It was brutal. Yeah, that yeah. team was. That team's as this is one of my favorite teams in the last twenty years. Last year's team 
was easily my least favorite. <laughs> right. No I hated about it. every second of that team. <laughs> every person. And then, yeah, right. No, people want to give Scott Perry his kudos, you know, like. No. And even pointing to last off season, like, come on. Last off season was still a horrible disaster. And almost every one of those moves. I, you know, I know you can now point to Marcus Morris and, hey, hey, we turned him into Emmanuel quickly. And like, okay, fine. But watching Marcus Morris was awful. Right. I hated him. I hated him. Also, I don't understand. There are like Knicks fans who liked him. Like, why? Right. Oh, I hated him. I not only I mean, he hated him. Well, I'm not saying he didn't. And and yes. And, and But it was like having this guy on the team who was unpleasant, who you knew the only reason he's here is to get us a draft pick. Right. And so it worked. But man, I mean, that was not no fun to go through. Right. Right. Yeah, no. I'm I'm glad I'm glad we're on the same page about that. So now that brings me to another question I have for you, which is if if you hated last year's team so much, why do so many people want to see guys that we saw last year that we haven't seen this year? <laughs> why, why are those players suddenly not hateable? The only thing that's changed is that they play less. Yeah, no, but they they didn't play last year either. I know you're talking about Frank and Kevin Knox and those characters and like what what was so <laughs> brutal characters. about last year was, was was those guys like not playing that much or not having a role and you're watching like and we're losing every game and you know um we're watching Bobby Portis and Wayne Ellington and weird veteran players and Taj Gibson. And you're just like, why do I have to sit through this? I'd rather just, if we're going to be this terrible, um, you know, why can't I see some of these 21 year old kids that we have that we invested a ton in? Um, so when you come to this year, obviously it's less of an issue. Um, those guys specifically like like i'm pretty fine with what their the current rotation is and you know i still think it's like pretty weird how little different types of things they try you know like you know i mean taj gibson goes down and he's just like well nerlands like you're playing the whole game <laughs> two in a row buddy. today and Back tomorrow tonight. right yeah like, yeah you're playing um you know, he doesn't just doesn't occur to him to go small maybe for a little while, like try something, you know, no, no, doesn't, no, doesn't even think about it. Um, so that's where my issues are. But, I, you know, I don't have too many complaints about what they're doing right now. You know, I don't know. We are look staring this like Alfred Payton thing in, in the face now where this is going to get pretty awkward here. Um, when when Mr. Payton's hammy heals up. Well, I mean, I think the Alfred Payton happening? situation has been awkward for months now. I mean, you know, he's like a, been a dead man walking for a really long time. Poor guy has been on death row. I guess, but only in, only, again, in, in whose eyes? Only in, in the fans or people on Twitter. Like, right. There's been no indication of that from how the Knicks view Alfred Payton. Well... Here's my question. Before we get to to Peyton and Rose and quickly and, and and all that, why is everyone so convinced that Kevin Knox is a contributor when he hasn't really played in like two years that much? 
you know, like, like, why do we think he's buried if he is secretly good? It's not like secretly good. Uh, like, how do you know if he's like going to be good or not without seeing him in the games? Like, I mean, it is difficult to to do that, right? I mean, I know you can you can say practice all you want. Like, you watch an NBA practice. I bet everybody looks pretty good out there. Like, um, I think specifically with Knox, it's like he he did have a promising rookie season although it got worse as it went along. But, you know, he averaged like 13 points as a 19-year-old. That's not the easiest thing to do. He has a skill. He has one skill that we, although we need it less than we did, um, I think, but but he can shoot three-pointers. Um, and that has been a thing that we have needed, though lately we're shooting really well from three. So all of a sudden it's like it's not as much of a concern. Um, but you know, he's just a, he's six, eight, he's 21 years old. He shoots the three. Well, he offensively looks to be pretty gifted. Um, you know, you, you can understand why he's not playing. He seems soft. He's not a great defensive player. Um, you know, I'm not shocked that Tom Thibodeau is not playing him. Um, I, you know, I think, see, I think you like to make it about Knox because it's like, it makes it seem silly. Well, who cares if Kevin Knox plays or doesn't play? <laughs> like, I, I don't, I, that's fine. Like, I'm much more interested in just like, you know, wh- how rigid we are with the lineups, how little we try something new. Like, to me, the only thing, the only, my only issue with like Kevin Knox is like Taj Gibson's goes down. A lineup with Kevin Knox at the four, Julius Randle at the five, like five minutes see what happens like we did you we did it for two minutes and went on a 10-0 run and then have never seen it since <laughs> and like you know so i'm definitely not like kevin knox has to play um i would like i would play him if i were the coach i would try to find some spots for him to see if you, you could take advantage of that three-point shooting um but it's not the biggest deal well i guess it's not even just making it about Knox. I guess I just feel like certainly within our group text with friend of the pod, Matt Innes, but also just on Nick's Twitter generally, right? It's like, I feel like I am on the outside looking in to most of Nick's world and oh, and have been now for years. Like the past few years when the Knicks were indefensible in any way possible. Like you could not craft a coherent defense of anything they did. And all the victimhood of like, why is everybody always shitting on us and talking about how terrible we are? It's like, because we're terrible. What are you talking about? What's the mystery here? And now we're not terrible all of a sudden. And like, it's just like right to the nitpicking. Where's Knox? Where's Frank? Where are all these creative lineups? It's like, I, you know, wherever the losses went, I guess, because we're winning now. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the people who are like, no criticism is fair of this horrendous team that we follow. All of a sudden, we follow a pretty good team. And it's just like, why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing that? Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing that? Like, I don't know. We're winning. I guess. But I think that the picking's always been there, right? I mean, like, people were definitely, like, picking apart every Fisdale movie made like 
you know, I remember going back, you know, like Pablo Prigioni. Why isn't Pablo Prigioni? You know, like uh, uh, Matt brought it up. Ron Baker. Like Ron Baker needs to play. You right, know, it's like, right. Like, and it was like, yeah, of the guys on this roster, sure. Why not you throw Ron Baker in there? He looks like he knows what he's doing. But also, Ron Baker stinks. Right. And, like, <laughs> if you're playing Ron Baker, you're probably terrible. But, like, yes, objectively, of all the people I've been watching out here, yeah, throw Ron Baker in there. He's at least lively. Um, but, you know, is he in, in the NBA anymore? I don't know. Probably not, right? Right, but then I guess, too, at that point, like, the team is so bad, who cares who's playing? Throw me I, out there and be entertaining. Right, right. You know? <laughs> like, it's just if you care about the team, you're still going to just talk about who should be playing, who should not. So, like, even – and I think – because I think a lot of the same people that you're talking about, like, st- are also the ones who are, like, RTing, get Randall to the All-Star game, and, like, yeah, yeah. you know, Porzingis is a bum, and, like, uh, <laughs> good riddance. So it's like – you know, you're still just going to watch the game. And I think the thing with basketball, too, is like it matters so much. Uh, the, ro- the, the role that you guys are in and who they're playing with and how the lineups are constructed. Like I heard Steve Kerr say it. I thought it was a really good point that he was saying like because, he, you know, Andrew Wiggins is on the Warriors this year and he's had a great year for them. And you know, obviously been a disappointing number one overall pick for the T-Wolves and then, um, you know, with Cleveland, whatever, like wasn't, didn't really put it together. But like, if you look at like the stats he's putting up, they're like really similar, you know, but he's just in a role that like suits him better. And Steve Kerr was saying just that, like, there's like five or six guys in the league that make their situation. And then he's like, everybody else is like, it's about fit, scheme role you know so it's smart it's hard not to just like be looking at everybody oh man you know maybe this guy in this spot this guy in that spot um so it's just part of the fun i know what you mean though it's like um i also i guess i also feel like a lot of it is because a lot of these things are fitting into this narrative that tibbs arrived with you know, like, yeah. And that you are looking and, and some of the players that he's doing it with are, you know, like, like Nerlens Noel is not a tank, you know, like, yeah. Playing him 81 minutes in two nights is like <laughs> playing with fire right there. It is a little bit like Tibbs. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? You know, that was yeah. the first time we were like Tibbs, <laughs> <laughs> especially like in a 20 point blowout where it was like, dude, you got to get him off the floor. Right. <laughs> And and he, and and Derrick Rose too, like tips, like right. He's had some major injuries, <laughs> <laughs> and he took him out. He took quickly out when he was in a, a, in the middle of a really good stretch, and put Rose in, and had Rose finish the game in a game that we had in hand. It was like that was a very strange thing to do, you know. So I think so, a lot of it is because it has you know, fit in what this narrative was of Thibodeau already. And then, yeah, some people, look, some of us are rationally attached to Frank and Knox and, you know, it's just this dream of this like homegrown uh, (laughs) Voltron that the Knicks have potentially could put together of Mitchell Robinson and RJ and quickly. And, oh, if we got Frank and it's just this like 
man, all this all this losing would suddenly be for something. I sort of, though, I'm even willing to just kind of give in on Frank. But the Knox thing, I just can't get I just can't get past it. Like, he stinks. Right. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I know it's unpleasant to have to admit it. Like, at least. Well, so I want to get to Frank. Uh, let me do a quick read here because I want to then I want to ask you a couple things about Frank here. Uh, you're listening to Giants Among Men on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thanks you. Thanks for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. Your support keeps us going. Radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. Every dollar helps us stay on the air. Support independent community media by pledging whatever you can. All contributions are tax-deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Please support with a monthly pledge or one-time donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. So, speaking of Tib stereotypes... Uh, like a tip stereotype is obviously defense like prior- prioritizing defense above any and all you know everything what would pause and frank too is not a spring chicken anymore this is his fourth year in the league like he's certainly not long in the tooth but you know he's not like a rook now yeah what is if he fits the tibs profile like that what has what do we think has been keeping him off the floor all year? Well, I mean, he has played more veteran players, more established, proven players. You know, he doesn't have a track record of success, right? Like, he has some bright... Like, if you you have to, like, really watch the Knicks the last three years to, like, have any sort of attachment to Frank. But um, he would say the same of Elfried Payton, No. No, he, I mean, Alfred Payton's what, 28 years old. He's, you know, Alfred Payton's averaged, you know, 14, 15 points a game in this league for six, seven years, you know, like he's been a starting point guard for an organization for a long time. Like he has a proven track record. Um, Austin Rivers, like is a proven player, whatever you think of him, you know, he's averaged double digit points per game in the league. He, you know, he has a track record, Um, you know, they obviously were playing quickly because he was a promising rookie. He's a guy they drafted, they believe in, um, and he's better. And, you know, they needed his offense. Um, you know, then I guess also Frank just did have, you know, had an injury and then he had the COVID thing. COVID, yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think it does say something that Tibbs, look, he could have gone back to Austin Rivers. And he didn't. Right. Like, he did go to Frank. Yeah. Um and you know frank's played pretty well you know i don't know it's funny i was gonna i almost texted you but i didn't want to stir up too much that that i thought frank had a really impact impactful triple zero <laughs> he had zero points zero rebounds zero assists but boy he was everywhere <laughs> i mean that's the thing with frank too right like when he wasn't playing, it was just like he's shooting 60% from three and, yeah, you know, yeah. all, all this nonsense. Like, Frank does not play offense. Like, Yeah, yeah. His defense is pretty special, though. Like, you, I agree. I, when you really dig into it and, like, you know, it's both because it's not just him guarding a guy. Like, he has a real knack for. Oh, he's everywhere. He's not even yeah. that huge. But it's it's amazing how much ground he seems to cover. Yeah, and he's so long. And so, like, and I thought I feel like he's looked better, more confident with the ball. Um, in his hands this year, you know, again, I think he was like over three or whatever last game, like, you know, he didn't, he missed 
couple he missed two like bunnies that you were like oh come on can you yeah. put those in um misses only three i think but he's never gonna be like a great offensive player but he just has to be a not a zero you know yeah just be not a zero frank you've had four years to not be a zero <laughs> no, what are you I, doing you know he, he, he's on the other side of the floor he, he's you know there's plenty of guys who you know i think generally there's plenty of players in the nba who bring a lot to the table offensively and virtually nothing defensively who you that tends to be much more overlooked you know when a player has little because it's just natural like it's much more it's much easier for fans everybody to be like that guy puts the ball in the basket (laughs) um you know that's important and valuable to the team i think what frank does is a little bit harder to quantify but he you know i think he could be pretty valuable to this team especially in that second unit i like this role for him i hope they i hope they keep playing him so ultimately what happens uh when when Peyton's hamstring heals does does Tibbs just go straight chicken parm again and we're back to square one or do you think there's been an evolution here I don't know it depends how long it goes right but it's get I mean I'm at the point I never want to see Alfred Payton play again no, no, no nobody does no disrespect to him like I don't think he's a terrible player but I do think he's not a good one and I think he hurts us more than he helps us like what do we know what his status is for tonight I don't know okay so tonight it's Tuesday, as as all the fans know. Uh, so tonight we have San Antonio, and then who do you have Thursday? I forget. Okay, so uh, we have we have tonight we have uh, tonight we have San Antonio, who I who they went to o- overtime with Brooklyn last night. Did they win that game? Who? Uh, the uh the Spurs. No, they lost. Okay. So we got yeah, we're we're we got San Antonio tonight and then we have Detroit again on Thursday. So Well, like what do you make of like of Tibbs and his use of quickly and and like like for instance, we talked about it earlier. He, he takes Rose, he takes him out, he's hot in that second half. They've ex- actually expanded the lead while he's out on the floor. He made a bunch of big plays. And then I think he did. He did have a bad turnover, and he he pulls him out. And he plays Rose the rest of the way, even though Rose certainly needs a rest for winning the game. Like, is he? Do you think that's like a coaching thing of like trying to let him know that like if you make a play that stupid, you're going to sit, and you can't do that, or is it? It make that makes him not trust him, and he and he wants to get. He doesn't want that run to be started by one bad play. And he wants Rose in there because he just trusts him more. Yeah, well, that's a good question. I think there was definitely some merit to what Matt said the other night about it being just like a coaching lesson, particularly when we we have the game in hand, right? To just be like, you know, you're hot and you're on a run. If this was a closer game, that could really cost us. We'd be in some real trouble. So, you know, I want to make that clear to you. Um, I don't think it's it's – like it I think that would be the 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 harshest or like the most severe explanation for it. I don't think it's just blanket distrust cuz Tibbs has not like I get that he values experienced and sort of established guys over young guys, but he doesn't also he doesn't have like these bad relationships with young guys either. Like probably the most volatile guy you can imagine was Jimmy Butler 
And, you know, Tibbs, like Butler didn't play a ton as a rookie, you know, and and, and see what he blossomed into. I think that's part of it. I think it's like, I've heard Jeff Van Gundy say a million times that, uh, you know, he's not all that into um, load management and that, you know, you got to play your best players. He's got his professional athletes. So the best athletes on the planet, like they don't need to rest every couple days like how many of them grew up playing like four aau games in the same day and you know they're built for this they could do this and i think that you know look at 18 and 17 that's a great nick season and i know we're the fourth seed and all but there's also a lock jam a lot you know a bottleneck of teams with that record in the east like truly i do think like anything could still happen between now and yeah the you could go to 10 and with a bad week like right yeah, absolutely so I think part of it is just like, you know, and, you know, Tibbs coached with Van Gundy for a long time. Uh, so I don't necessarily think Van Gundy speaks for Tibbs, but I wouldn't be surprised if they shared the philosophy of I'm going to play the best guys. Yeah. And I'm going to play them as much as I possibly can. And I'm going to do that to ensure winning happens. And, you know, I, I think one of the other things that has kind of drives me crazy that I would love for people to kind of nail down for me in a very specific way is like, how much losing would you tolerate for more lineup creativity? And then what is the line? And I get like, usually when I ask that your response is something to the effect of like five minutes here, five minutes there. But I think again, like, and that's where some of Tibbs' personality just comes in where it's like, I, I'm not into like sprinkling, you know, yeah. Like, I think Tibbs is – have I talked about – I don't know if I've talked about it on this show before. Stop me if I have because I don't want to bore our, our fans who I know listen loyally and religiously. But, um, you know, like my wife is an excellent cook. As a baker, she's eh. – and, you know, because like baking is very prescribed. Use these ingredients in these proportions and cook it for this amount of time to get the best result. Whereas cooking is like going to like, you know, sprinkle in some of these spices and going to taste it and see what does it need more of and, and do a little of this. Like, I think Tibbs is a baker. He's not a, he's not a cook. Right. You know, and so it's hard to tell somebody who who's not who doesn't have that skill to like sprinkle in a few spices and taste it and see what it needs. Like, right, right. It's hard to tell a person like that to, to cause you know, my wife tries to tell me, she like tastes this, tell me what it needs. I taste it. And I'm like, I, you know, I don't know what it needs. Like, <laughs> I have no clue. Like, right. It needs a little Kevin Knox on the top. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's a little, little Frank, a little Frank, you know, so I think part of its personality on his part that you just can't do it. And I think part of its philosophy of just like, look, I got to play the best guys because we have to win as many games as we can because we don't have a lot of room for error because, you know, there's a lot of teams with the same record as us. And truth be told, a lot of those teams have a lot more talent than we do. So, you know, we got to just play these yeah, guys. No, that's all fair. I mean, I just, again, I don't think he's like wrong. Um and he's clearly not, but it you know it does have drawbacks. And and look, lots of other coaches manage this stuff and do it differently, and do do it more effectively, and don't you know? It's like he's the guy that's earned this reputation for this minutes thing, and now we're seeing it. So it's like you know, most coaches are aware of this. Like, and there's you know, I don't mind it when he does it with Julius Randle. It just seems like he's built like a tank. Um, 
And again, I don't want to criticize Tibbs. He, you know, he's doing a great job. The team is playing unbelievable. Um, you know, I will say this. If Alfred Payton comes back, he's healthy, ready to go. He goes right in the starting lineup. He moves Rose back to that role, him and quickly together in that second unit. If that falters a little, you know, I'd be pretty upset. Like, because yeah. to me that's like hey man we, you know we've got pretty good reason to believe that's not the optimal lineup of this team you know that's you like for whatever reason you've decided that that's how we need to play have to play um so th- i don't know i'll be really curious to see what he does when peyton is ready yeah you know uh, I don't, i'm not even a big rose fan but like Look, I mean, I know it's only three games and we've had ups and downs this whole year and that's the nature of being a mediocre team. Like, he just looks bad. I mean, he's had two games in a row that are better than any game Alfred Payton's had all season. Yeah, yeah. Like, he just has. You know, RJ's played well with him. Like, he's done, he's, uh, you know, the problem with Payton is, one, he, he doesn't shoot at all from three and he doesn't get to the line that much. So he's just a super inefficient player. Like, right. even his good games, are, you're like, he's like had 20 points on 21 shots, you know? Right. And he doesn't, um, his assist rate hasn't been that high this year. So he's not setting people up very well. So unless you're telling me he's this like elite defender, which I don't see how that that's true. Like, he's really not helping us. Speaking of people who don't appear to be helping us. Obi Toppin. (laughs) (laughs) Obi had a stretch in, I guess it was Sunday night. It was just, it was funny. I mean, it was just objectively funny how bad he was. It was terrible. I'm starting to like feel bad for him. Yeah. He wants it so bad. He's such a try hard. It's sad. I know. (laughs) And and like, I, I feel like, he must sometimes not know what's going on. And I, I feel like a coach has told him, look, if you just have no clue what's going on, set a screen on the closest guy to you. Yeah. Just go set a screen. You do that. All right. You're a pretty good screener. Go yeah. f- set a screen. If you don't know what's happening, goes, cause it was a, a stretch. He came down the floor. He seemed confused. He like ran in a circle and then set a screen on somebody who did not expect it. Right. <laughs> or you force someone who didn't expect it. It was, it was bad. It was maybe the 11 worst minutes of NBA basketball I have ever seen. <laughs> I know. He looked so lost and so confused. And there was that one time where you could hear it on the broadcast that Tibbs yelled out, Obi! <laughs> you know, like that voice of his, Obi! <laughs> <laughs> Which I want to make my alarm clock or my <laughs> ringtone or something. Because it was so funny. How it was clear as day, and he wasn't. It was just him running back on defense. Like, yeah. He was just running down the court. It was like oh, you could just see him being like, "Already, I've done something wrong." Yeah. <laughs> and this wrong too. Okay, like, this wrong. <laughs> right, that was that wrong. I literally just ran back here. <laughs> I'm already that wrong. <laughs> but like, also, yes, probably, yes, because <laughs> every time I see you. Yes, right. Like probably one hundred percent wrong. Because right. it's unbelievable how little you seem to know about what's happening around you. I know. I uh, know. Every once in a while, he puts home an alley oop that 
you know, gives you some like, okay, there, there's that athleticism. Um, so what's going on there? Is Are we not using him correctly? Is he just terrible? Like, and if so, how did we end up drafting him? Because so far, I do feel like, you know, this coaching staff in front office seem to know what they're doing. How did this happen? I don't know. I really don't know. I want to believe that somehow we're just not making the most of him. Um, and we don't have the right players to like bring it out of him. But like, you know, and, and he is the reason that I have, you know, the only guy that has me thinking like maybe Kevin Knox should go in the game is you do have Obi shooting corner threes a lot, like, and, and getting open for three pointers a lot. And I'm just like, if we're going to have this guy who can't play defense, who doesn't post up well, who can't create for himself, like, then why not make it Kevin Knox, who at least shoots a high percentage from three point range, you know, like, so he's been the, he's been the only reason that I'm like, you know, maybe just throw Knox out there with Randall and see, see if that's any better because like, Obi just, I don't know, man. And the thing about him is like, what's so frustrating about him is when we got him, everybody was like, he's going to struggle on defense, but you know, people were like, he, he might be the rookie of the year. He's the oldest player in the draft. Right. He's going to, you know, he's going to score. Like nobody would seem to doubt that he was going to score. Right. And imagine if he was like, if he was like, 10, 12 points off the bench most nights. Like, what a difference he could make. Sure. You know? Sure. And instead, again, it's like, geez, Louise, I've never, it's like, you know, I mean, they're just, like, that is the thing. Like, you can't tell me they're not just throwing that guy out there because they drafted him high. No. Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) We got to play him a little bit. And because, he like, Randall has to literally sit at some point. Right. Um and he's the only other power forward on the roster. But like, I mean, what does he do in a positive way? (laughs) No, I mean, my only thing with Obi is I do. I think that, you know, look, Knox was drafted two years ago. Obi was drafted this year. Knox has gotten some NBA minutes and he's gotten his look in the league and, and Obi, like they got to give him some, they, you know, I don't know. I, I just, I can't see a front office and I understand it admitting to themselves you know, within a month, like, well, the number eight overall pick was like the worst disaster ever. Yeah, no. And I mean, it's so they're so fortunate because one, not only the team's good, but then you have quickly there. So like, it doesn't look so bad. Yeah. It's like their first big decision was a horrendous disaster. <laughs> hideous. <laughs> looks disastrous. And there were better players like, you know, a lot of people that they thought they could have taken like. Um, you know, I'd ra- much rather have Tyrese Halliburton, obviously. Like, I think even Devin Vassell looks like he would he would fit us better, make, make more sense. Like, Obi's not giving us anything at the moment. Um, I don't know, man. Is he just terrible? I mean, he looks terrible. Like, <laughs> he looks objectively awful. Like, I think there's, like, a way you could look if you're being misused and a way you look when you stink. And yeah. he stinks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, just yeah. The, the only thing I could say is like it doesn't feel like they're playing him. You know, may, you know, would like to. I would like to see him play with R.J. Barrett a little bit, and maybe those two like a little two man game. The thing is, like, you can't even really pick and pop with him because he's not a good enough shooter. You know, like 
Although he had, I don't, I don't think he's taken a mid-range jump shot this year. Right. So maybe he is. I don't know. But you know, like to me, that would be like a little two-man game, and maybe you could get something going with him. But I don't know. Even when he does score, it's always a weird little adventure, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no. His three-pointers are like banked in, is you know, or it's like some like bull rush move at the basket. That... <laughs> right. You're like not totally sure that's even allowed when he did right. it. The only times you're like positive about him at all are alley oop jams, and there's been way too few of them. Right, because he's not even really the role man that much. No. So I don't know. Yeah. There was like a little hope when Derrick Rose came that he could, but that right. was really short lived. That was about five seconds. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, so, like, how long do you think we're riding this train? Like, I mean, do we fall back to Earth tonight? Is the is is fate going to be that brutal to us, or, or like, what's going to happen? I don't know. I, I get the feeling we'll probably muddle along like we're doing. I, I, you know, it's hard to say we're about to like. I don't feel like a rocket ship that's about to launch, but. Um... We'll see. I don't know. Well, that's that's just what I want to tell Nick's Twitter and our dear dear friend Matthew is if we if we happen to hit just a, a bit of a rough patch, bit of turbulence. Let's not you know panic. Like let's not go from fans in the streets <laughs> celebrating <laughs> to flipping over cars right like what a disaster this is like let's just not do that let's just be in the moment i hope that doesn't happen i mean i hope they like yeah i mean you know it's like now you start hearing the like oh they're gonna make you know i think windhorse brian windhorse had a report of like 12 months the knicks a star player is gonna want to come to the knicks you know got everybody sort of percolating over who that could be um I hope they, you know, I think they should they should look at it. Look, we got so lucky. This team is so much better. Like, let's make the right move here. Yeah. Um, we don't need to be in any hurry. Like, I, I wouldn't bring in an Andre Drummond or a Victor. No. Oh, like you got a good thing going. Like, don't mess with the chemistry too much. No, I agree. Make don't the right panic. Move. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's like the right move is because I think what what Windows was saying was that somebody's going to force their way here. Yeah, yeah, and that's fine. Like, because that means we don't have to. Yeah, right. Go and out. Got the yeah. You hold the cards. Right, and you know I also, but I guess I don't want to take anyone to force their way here. But uh, you know, I think that's a good sign. But right, like, no, don't trade for Drummond. Don't do that. I don't even necessarily have a problem with Drummond, but just like why would we trade for a guy like we're going to get Taj back? We're going to get Mitch back. Why would we, why would we trade for a third center? A fourth one? I mean, you know, especially one who like it's, you know, puts up decent numbers, but he's a complicated player. You know, how good he actually is, is like a really open question. Let somebody, let somebody else, you know what I mean? Right. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, we got about uh, about seven, eight minutes left uh, when we're on the air for uh, Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, so I know you had wanted to try and get some people riled up about the New York Mets. 
<laughs> so let's do some riling, Brian. Not riling, but I'm excited. It's, you know, it's nice that uh, baseball is back. The spring is – it was freezing today, but, like, you can start to feel the little uh, green shoots of weather and baseball. I'm kind of excited. Uh, New York Metropolitans, you know, we have a new criminal owner who has – <laughs> brought some... i heard he's back on twitter he is yeah right after the whole kerfuffle with dave portnoy and gamestop or <laughs> you don't want to run afoul of mr dave portnoy and his no. his uh stock market exploits <laughs> <laughs> um but it was that was kind of funny everybody sort of waking up to the fact that like oh steve cohen maybe not a warm and fuzzy guy like right yeah, no like um you know, kind of a weird off season for the Mets because you had these scandals and penis pictures and <laughs> things like that. And then didn't seem to go all out in the way that maybe you might have, you know, there was no like shock and awe that you thought was maybe going to happen. But Mets, by most projections, projected to win the NL East. They have the best pitcher in baseball. They have probably the best position player they've had maybe since Mike Piazza and Mr. Francisco Lindor. Yeah. Um, true superstar player they haven't had since like a David Wright. Um, you know, they're going to be good. I like yeah. Mr. Lindor. He's got some blue hair. Looks, I like him. <laughs> he is going to be exciting. And I think the Mets fans are going to just, I mean, they're so ready to love him, I, I bet, too. Yeah. You know, you could have the Subway Series back this year. You yeah. know, I think, you know, uh, when could could work out where you could get a Subway Series with fans in the building. Like right. if the vaccines keep pumping out, you know, you could get some juice this year to baseball. Um, you know, I'm sure baseball, man, they're just really banking on the Mets being good this year, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, I bet. So now what's the situation? I honestly, I've barely like even thought about baseball. <laughs> I think in part because the Knicks have been good for like the first time in forever. So you're not just like desperate to what's the next thing that's going to yeah. give my life meaning. But like <laughs> what uh, is the season like planned to just happen as it normally would just, you know, with whatever local restrictions there are on fans, but otherwise everything is just all systems go. Yeah, they had wanted to push it back, I think, but then, but the union wouldn't agree to it, and I, I don't, I couldn't totally follow what that was about. There's like some, there was some shenanigans there, um, but uh, yeah, I think it's just a regular season. Yeah, I mean, I honestly do think, like, you know, speaking of some of the labor shenanigans, like, I do think Steve Cohen is going to be good for the Mets. Like, why not just embrace having a villainous owner? Like, to me. Having a criminal villainous owner is better than an owner that seems to not even like baseball, which yeah, seems sure. to be a problem like league wide, not really in New York generally, but just, you know, league wide. Like you have guys that don't even that seem to like seem to view owning a baseball team as some sort of weird obligation that they have. I know. And just this opportunity to like bleed profits. It's like, what fun is that? You're already right. so rich. Like, right. You don't want to like win the world series. I, like what's the deal? Yeah. Yeah. So you definitely would rather have a criminal than somebody like that. True. It's just a different kind of criminal, but right. And they're all criminals. So yeah, at least this one wants to win. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
And I could see him like getting pretty mouthy in the papers during a subway series and things like that. Yeah, no, right. He seems ready to mix it up. He knows he kind of wants to be, although it was really funny to kind of, to see that backlash against him. Cause it, you, he was all like positive and you know, he's obviously been somebody who'd been under the radar, right? He wasn't like a public person yeah. for good reason. Um, when you're right. like notoriously insider trading, you probably want to keep a lowish profile. I don't know. Maybe not. But anyway, he like seemed to enjoy this, like coming, coming out party on Twitter. I'm the old new Mets owner or whatever. And then this like backlash of like, yeah, that's why sometimes it's better to just keep quiet. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> this is also, mind you, before your team has ever taken the field. Right. You know, right. Like, yeah, it's all fun and games interacting with fans, but it can probably be miserable, too. Yeah, you're a Lindor injury away. Like, from, right. From, you're a bum. Right, yeah, from that, those, those Twitter replies getting a little nasty. A little salty. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. No, but yeah, I'm excited for the Mets. You know, they're going to be, they should be really good. Yeah, uh, when is opening day? It's not in March again, is it? No, it's April. Yeah, okay. It's so funny. Spring training in baseball, it's like once it starts, it's so so great when it comes back in the first spring training game. They're in Florida. It's all beautiful weather, and it just makes you think, like, spring is coming. And I always watch the first spring training game. I'm like, ah, oh, baseball is back, and it's great. And then the second spring training game, you're like, oh, Christ, how long do we have to put up with this bullshit? Right. You know, there's another month of this. Yeah. Because it's just like the first game you see him and DeGrom throws an inning and a half and he looks great. And then the next game you're like, God, I don't want to watch number 87. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a similar effect when they when the season starts. You're like, all right, now this is it. Finally. Yeah, yeah, games true. that count. Games that matter. Opening day. Let's go. Yeah. And then and after a week you're like, Wow, we got a long way to go. We got a long way to go. This won't matter for some time. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's true. But spring training, it's just because it's so exciting when it starts. But then it's so long, you know? It's just like, God, if we do a month of this? Yeah. Well, it is weird, too, because why? I wonder why spring training matter, seems to matter so much more than any other professional training camp. Right? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, you follow it, but it's just different. I think it's because, like, it's, you know, there's no, co like, these aren't, they have less college players. It's guys who are, like, been in the minors since high school. It's, like, the only chance you get to, like, find out who's who's up and coming, you know. So, yeah, it's important, hugely important for evaluation. Well, speaking of important, very important to follow us on social media. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Giants Among Men, Radio Free Brooklyn. We'll talk to everybody next week.